Uh, well, good morning and welcome to Alpine Church. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm one of the teachers here and we are honored to have you here with us. Uh, a special warm welcome to you if you're new or visiting with us for the very first time. Uh, we just want, uh, want to say thank you. We hope that you feel at home. Uh, if you have questions, again, as John said, we'd love to connect with you out in the lobby uh, other uh, areas like that. So again, thank you so much for coming. And uh, we're finally here, right? We're at the end of the year. How many of you cannot wait till the, the last day of 2020, like the last minute goes away, right? We've been looking forward to New Year's. Amen? Yeah, yeah. And it's as, as, as we think that 2021 is going to be any different, we just got to get out of this year, right? We just got to get out of this year. Uh, I, I love this time of year. I, I think many of us do. Uh, for those of you who are Christmas lovers in here, anybody in here love Christmas? You just absolutely love it? Good. Uh, I don't. Uh, so that, we're not enemies. Uh, we're just going to be okay with that. Uh, my wife, she's like a Christmas elf. Like she's been decorating all the season. Those of you who love Christmas, you know, you've been listening to carols like since Halloween, right? We know you. And that's okay. Uh, I'm Scrooge. I'll just say it, bah humbug, and we'll move on. Okay, so now we have uh, the thing that I really love about this time of the year is kind of like the end of the year lists, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, like the best of 2020, uh, even though in 2020 there's not a lot of best of things. But uh, how about the best album, right, or things like the best movie? Uh, for those of you who like to read, we want to see what the best book of 2020 was to see if we're missing out on anything. Or uh, how about the, the top 10 list, like the top 10 Google search? Like this is one of my... My favorite things. Anybody ever look at this? So like 2019, uh, I remember 2019, I, I researched it last year, and the number one thing, it hit really close to home, and the number one Google search for last year, 2019, did anyone know what it was? It was how to make slime. Can you believe that? Yeah, like I think we have a million of those searches at my home alone. Now we've been trying to Google how to get slime out of everything, right? We know how it is. <laughs> uh, or, uh, you know, this year is a little bit different, so I'm just going to have, uh, have you make a guess, and we'll just all guess what the top Google search for 2020 is. Anybody know? COVID, right? Yes, the coronavirus. And not only was it number one, but it was also two, three, four, and five. Coronavirus updates, coronavirus symptoms, uh, how to make hand sanitizer. We're sick of paying for hand sanitizer, right? Uh, how to make a mask. And for those of you who love politics, yes, top 10, who is our president, right? We still don't know. Does anybody know? I'd like to know. Just kidding. We're not going to get political. We're not going to do that. Religion and politics, bad, bad news. So, but you know, one of the lists that I really uh, like and I always take a look at is uh, the Forbes Most Powerful People. Does anybody, you know, you know what I'm talking about? It's like every year uh, they, they have the most influential or most powerful people. And why does it always seem like they're always the same people? You know, it's because they have a lot of power and authority and, and wealth, great wealth. Uh, lots of money, right? You know, guys like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and Bill Gates uh, and all of these guys, Mark Zuckerberg, that have all of this money. And, and I don't know about you, but when I think about those kinds of people like money and power and fame and, and wealth and all of those things, I'm, I'm looking for a different kind of power. Now, listen, I think I'd probably be the best billionaire in the room. I mean, many of us would say that. Like, uh, I'm not saying that we don't want more money. I mean, that's, we all do. But for me, I'm looking for a power that's different. And just see if this resonates with you for a minute. I'm looking sometimes for the power to like get through the week. Can I get an amen? Right? I'm looking for the power to get day by day, like I'm moment by moment. Uh, when they told me that I had to homeschool uh, for the beginning of coronavirus, it was a disaster, right? And it was like, God, I'm praying literally minute by minute, right? For those of you who are homeschool families, God bless you. You have a special place in heaven. 
very, very special place in heaven. But I'm, I'm looking for the power to get through a difficult situation, you know, like maybe it's a diagnosis, maybe it's a, a bad relationship. You know, maybe it's that, that you had, uh, you know, some, someone has been affected by COVID in your family. You know, I just had one of my best friends, they lost their father to it yesterday. You know, and it's just this idea that the power that we need, many people think that we got to have power and fame and money and wealth, but really, sometimes the power we need is just the power to get by. You know, I, I believe in all my heart, we can have a different kind of power. We can have this kind of power, uh, and that power comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And now here's the thing. Some 700 years before uh, Jesus came to the earth, the prophet Isaiah uh, was speaking about Jesus. He was speaking about the Messiah who would come, who would rescue God's people. And what we see Isaiah doing is he is communicating the qualities and the characteristics and the traits of who Jesus would be. We read about this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. You know, we've been, uh, over the last couple weeks and for the next couple weeks to come, we've been taking a look at this passage specifically, and we've been looking at these characteristics and qualities uh, that the prophet Isaiah is speaking about Jesus, the Messiah, to come. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jesus as our mighty God. Now, here's a little bit of a side note. Uh, when we read uh, the Bible, you know, when we read Isaiah, the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, uh, we actually get to see the prophecy fulfilled. You see, we have God's word. God's word are his words spoken and his direction given to us. And so when we see God speak in the Old Testament, we have either seen that fulfilled in the New Testament or we will see it fulfilled in the future to come. And so when we read about this, when we read about Jesus, when we read about the, the prophecy of the coming king, we know that all of these characteristics were displayed in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, we read about all of those things. And so today, like I said, we're going to jump into this characteristic of Jesus as our mighty God. Let's pray together. Father, Father, I ask again that you would open up our heart to receive from you today through your word. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you impact us? Would you enlighten us? Would you grow our faith in you in depth and richness as we see your mighty power displayed in your Son, Jesus Christ? Lord, we love you and we honor you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the, the f most important thing that I want us to see today is, is, and if you don't get anything else out of today's message, maybe the next 15 or so minutes, please understand this. This is the most important thing. When it comes to Jesus, we need to understand that Jesus is both fully human and he is fully God. Jesus Christ is both fully human and he is fully God. God. If we look back at the prophecy uh, that Isaiah was given us, we actually see this. You see, the first clause that Isaiah is saying that he's speaking about Jesus is talking about his humanity. He says, unto us a son will be given, right? Unto us a child will be born. And so we have this understanding that Jesus the Messiah will be human in nature, 
But then very quickly, he shifts and he highlights the deity of Jesus. He highlights the characteristics that Jesus will, with, will, will have and will hold. And so we see uh, that that comes in the case of wonderful counselor. And so we know uh, the Bible says that Jesus is all-knowing. He's omniscient. That's the theological word for it. And so he knows all things and he gives wisdom and power. That leads us into Jesus being mighty God. The theological term for that is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There is nothing more powerful than God. We see that Jesus is the everlasting Father. You know, uh, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning the Word was God, the Word was with God, and the Word is God. And that Word translated is Jesus. And so what we see very clearly is that He is the eternal Father. He's the creator and the sustainer. There is no beginning and no end with Jesus. And the last thing that we see, and I think one of the most important things that we see, is that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. And that word peace, we'll learn about this in the coming weeks, is shalom. And shalom isn't just the idea of absence of conflict or or anything like that. It's a peace that brings restoration and healing. And so what we see is that Jesus comes to fix a broken relationship. When sin entered the world, it broke our relationship with God. And Jesus came in the form of God. He took on flesh. He came to the earth. He lived a life that we couldn't live, died, but didn't stay dead. The Bible says that he raised to new life. Because he was God, he defeated death. And because of that, we can be in relationship with him. Now, you know, there's no doubt when we make a claim like that, it's a very bold claim. And I don't want you to take my word for it, some guy up here telling you that Jesus is God. What I want to do is I want to challenge you to investigate. And the way that you do that is you go to God's word. The very words that were spoken by God, they're far greater than my words. And just there are, clear, uh, there are clear communication on who Jesus is in his deity all throughout God's word. We've got a few. The first thing that Jesus said, maybe probably uh, the most clear statement uh, that he is fully God, he said that in, in John chapter 10 verse 30 says, the Father and I are one. The Father, God, and I are one. Now, this doesn't mean that they are, uh, you know, separate. I mean, they are two separate beings. There's God the Father and God the Son. But what it means is they are one in essence and one in nature. They're one in essence and one in nature. We also see Jesus received worship as God. Uh, You may remember the story when Jesus uh, rose to new life. He uh, revealed himself to the disciples and as he was teaching the disciples, uh, he was, uh, you know, communicating to them. And there was one who's probably like a lot of us. He's like, his name's Doubting Thomas. You guys know who that is, right? And he's like, I'm not going to believe anybody telling me anything until I actually see Jesus for myself. Like, I want to see the, the, the holes in his hands and on his feet. And what did Jesus do? Well, Jesus meets with Doubting Thomas. And he says, look, here I am. And you know what Thomas said? Thomas said, my Lord and my God he exclaimed, my Lord and my God. You know, Jesus didn't say, listen, Thomas, you got it all wrong. I'm not God. You know what he did instead? He said, Thomas, I praise you. Thomas, blessed are those who believe. Thomas, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe and have not seen. And so he didn't say, listen, I'm not God. No, he said, you have got it right, Thomas. You know, we also see Jesus uh, in, his, in his life and in his ministry, right? He did so many miracles that only God can do, and he claimed to do things that only God can do. You know, we've seen him turn water into wine. He raised people from death to life. 
He healed many, many people in his wake. You know, and then there were engagements that he had with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, the religious leaders, the ones that were always trying to, to point out Jesus and him being wrong and, and really just trying to catch him in blasphemy. And there was this instance where Jesus was about ready to, or he forgives a man of his sins. And believe me, those, those Pharisees and Sadducees, they weren't happy. They said, this is blasphemy. What is he saying? Only God can forgive sins. And you know what? They were right. But here's the truth. Jesus did it because he was God. You know, I think that there's, when it comes to this, there's a lot of confusion when it comes into the idea of the divinity of Jesus and him being God, fully God, but fully man. And then we, we talk about the Trinity and the triune nature of God, of God being three in one, one God in three different persons. And, and you know, I was a, a young Bible college student many, many, many years ago, uh, but I was a, a young punk living in sin. I was a, a drug addict, alcoholic, and I gave my life to the Lord. And the first thing that I did is I went to Bible college. It's probably a good place for someone who's like going to give their life to the Lord, right? But I remember as I was there, I didn't really know anything. And all of these, these theological terms, and it was so difficult, and I remember how difficult it was. And finally, I read, I read this book or this quote, and, and I can't remember where it, it came from, um, but that's why it says unknown under there. But, but it says this, to think that, that God will ever, or to think that we will ever fully understand God is to make the mistake of thinking that our God is fully understandable. Like when we begin to put ourselves on the same level of God, we've missed it. God is infinite, we're finite. We don't understand God's ways. In fact, the Bible says that my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so we need to understand that there are some things about God that we might not ever grasp. But what I will say is clearly, God gives us his word. And in his word, it states that he is not just a good teacher, he's not just a good man, that he is fully God. And you see, what we get to see is if we fast forward some 700 years, we get to see the prophecy fulfilled. We get to see exactly what Isaiah was saying. And when we read this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it, it, he, the, the author is repeating the prophecy. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to the son. There's the humanity. And it says this, we're going to jump into the deity, and they will call him Emmanuel. And you know what that means? God is with us. The living God came from heaven to earth to be in relationship with his people. And the prophecy fulfilled is here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Jesus coming as God in the flesh. And you see, we have the opportunity to be in relationship with him. And what we see, if, we, if you've read God's word, what you see in the life and ministry of Jesus from Matthew to John, you will see that everything that is prophesied about him came into truth, came into truth. And the, the clearest and most profound and understanding point in that is that he came to this earth, he lived a life that we couldn't live, sin-free, the Bible says. He defeated death, he, he, went, he died a sinner's death on the cross, defeated death, and he, de he rose to life. And only God can do that. And Jesus did that so he could fix our broken relationship with him. And it's free. It's a free gift. It's a gift that God gives us. And so here's, here's the truth. And the reality of it is what we believe and understand about Jesus 
has major implications in our relationship with God. In fact, Jesus says this in John 8, 24. He says very clearly, for unless you believe that I am, and I want you to read that, I want you to understand that I am. Unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, the Bible says you will die in your sins. Now listen, you know where that sounds familiar? If you read in the Old Testament, God was uh, instructing Moses to lead his people, right? And he was saying, here's the decrees, here's what, what needs to happen, here are the things that need to be done. And, and, and Moses was like, I, I, I'm freaked out. I don't even know how to talk. You know, I'm inadequate. How, what, what am I going to tell them? Who am I going to tell them sent me? And do you remember what God said to Moses? He says, tell them, I am who I am sent you. And so what we see here clearly is Jesus saying, I am God, and what you believe about me determines your eternal destiny. And so please, again, understand what we believe about Jesus Christ and who he is in his life and his death and his resurrections. Have, resurrection has major implications in our life. And I would say please don't leave here today without beginning a relationship with that mighty God. So as as cool as that is, I mean, I'm kind of geeked out by it. I think it's cool. The next thing I want us to see is that Jesus wants us to experience his power. Jesus wants to give us his power. You know, I think many of us think, well, God is God. He's distant. He's God. He's transcendent. He has all of these, uh, you know, characteristics and traits. And if he's God, the power is for him. Omniscience is for him. Wisdom and all of those things are for him. And absolutely, that's true. But listen, much like we saw last week in God wanting to give us his wisdom and his counsel, God too wants to give us his power. God wants us to experience his power. You know, the Bible says that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that God takes residence in us through the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. And so the living God then takes residence in his people and lives with them and gives them power. You know, Paul said this to the church in Ephesus. He actually prayed this for them. He, had, he cared about them and he wanted them to understand this. He said, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. He said, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. He was saying, I want you to understand this. I want you to see that this power is for you. God isn't just saying, hey, good luck down there. He's saying that I'm going to give you my presence. I'm going to live in you, and I'm going to empower you to, to, to live and to honor God and to point people to Jesus. You know, and... and you say, well, how, how great is that power? You know, you might have been like me. Okay, well, that's cool. What does that mean? Well, Paul was one step ahead. He said, here's how great that power is. He said, it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. You know what that says? That says that Jesus is the only God. Jesus is in control. Jesus is all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing. And that what it also says is that we can receive that power from him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this and when I think about this in my life, I think this is, it's incredibly humbling. It's incredibly humbling that, that, that God would think about me 
And he would love me so much that he would want to live inside of me. You know, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, he said, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And you, you know what that means? That means that if you remember in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was what? The only way people could meet with God was where? In the temple where the presence of God lived and there was rituals and routines. You had to be good enough. You had to do things. It was only uh, the, the most you know, capable person, the most religious person who, who checked every box. But now, the new covenant, you know what this is saying to us? What Paul is saying to his people is that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God, the living God, the one true God, then takes residence inside of us and he dwells in us. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, if we begin to realize that and understand that, it changes everything. And I think what happens is we think, well, that's just impossible. Like, I've got to be good enough for God. I've got to do certain things, like I've got to get rid of my sin, or I've got to show him that I'm worthy, or I'm valuable, or that I'm righteous enough. I've got to do all of these things. You know, I've got to get to church on Sunday. We're all here. Let's check off the box, right? But let me be very real and very clear to you. The Bible is extremely clear that we have nothing in us that is righteous enough for our living God. Nothing. No good work, no good deed. Nothing is good enough. In fact, God clearly says that every good work that we have is like filthy rags to a holy God. Nothing that we have is good enough. But you see, he doesn't look at us and say, sinner. He says, I love you and I want a relationship with you and I'm going to forgive you if you ask and I'm going to put my presence in you. I'm going to put my presence in you. And you know what he says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's a gift And this is not of yourselves, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. The way that we are made righteous, the way that we are made holy in God's eyes, is that we accept God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. And so if we don't understand that, we're going to go on life in a journey proving that we're good enough. And one day we're going to stand before the holy God, and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. But if we put our faith in Jesus, you know he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Even though you were not good enough, I have put my righteousness in you, my holiness in you. I have taken residence in you, and I am welcoming you home. And I cannot wait for that day. Thank you, Jesus, that you look at me that way. You might be saying, well, listen, that's all great. Like, but I, so God loves me. I'm at church. I should expect to hear that, right? Like, I, you're gonna, of course, you're going to tell me God loves me, but does he really, like, does he really care about me? Like, I'm, I'm kind of going through life, and I'm experiencing, you know, fill in the blank. So if God really loves us, then why is this the way that it is? Why is it so difficult, right? Well, here's what I want us to understand. The power that God gives us and the hope that he gives us, it, you know, sometimes he'll come in a miracle, and he'll fix the situation, and he'll heal the sickness, and he'll do those things. But sometimes he may not choose to. But listen, no matter how overwhelming things get, no matter how difficult things get in our life, the power that God gives us will help us to press on. You see, what he does is he gives us the ability to say, man, all the stuff that I'm going through, this is beyond me. But I'm going to trust in my God, the same God who defeated death, the same God who's living in me, and he's going to give me a peace that surpasses my human understanding, right? He's going to do everything in me so that I can live at peace with him. You know, you might be saying, I barely got here today. Amen. I barely got here today, too. (laughs) All those Utah drivers, you know what I mean? 
My life's a mess. Work is chaos. I have family in strife. You know, there, there's difficulty going on in relationships in my family. I don't know about you, but my Atlanta Falcons are 4-9, and nine, and they're going to be 4-10 and 10 today. I guarantee it. <laughs> like, we know. Unless you're like, I don't know, whoever's winning. Seriously, this relationship's broken. The sin is overcoming. This addiction is too much. I need the power of God. Anybody, anybody feel this way this year? I know I have. But here's the thing. It might not be fixing it, but it does mean that he will give us what we need to overcome it. Colossians 1.11, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have endurance and patience, the endurance and patience that you need. You know, sometimes God's not going to give us what we want, but he will always give, always give us what we need. That's the truth. He will always give us what we need. And what we need is far better than we could even begin to imagine on what we wanted. You know, has anybody ever been into a, a very strong river and you've tried to swim up the current? Anybody tried that, right? Or is it just me being weird? Okay, yeah, we got some people. So you're swimming up current and you know, like, you're not getting very far and you're exhausted eventually. But then, man, you just turn this way and then you just swim right down with the current, right? And sometimes it's very powerful. It takes you down there. Maybe uh, you've been whitewater uh, white rafting. Anybody done that? You've, anybody in here done that, right? And so usually if the tour guide loves you and cares about you enough, he's going to tell you what to do, right, when you fall out of the boat. And, and, and I remember what they say is, is, look, when you fall out of the boat, don't try to swim back to the boat upstream. Instead, what you need to do is turn and go with the current to the least, path of least resistance or get on a boat that's lower than you. And so, in other words, swim with the current instead of against the current. And how many of us feel like in life, it's just like we're swimming headfirst into the current and nothing is getting better and it's more and more difficult and we're exhausted and we feel like, man, when I've, I've tried everything, I've pulled myself up by the bootstraps, I can't do it anymore. Well, let me tell you what, God says, turn around and go to me. Let me take you where you need to go. One of, uh, one of my favorite authors, N.T. Wright, he, he wrote this in his book, Small faith, big God. He said, and so it is when our weakness swims in the stream of God's almighty power. Our God is the God who gives power to the faint. <laughs> God gives power to the weak. He gives strength for weakness. And I don't know about you, but my God, I need a little bit of that power every once in a while. You know, I, I, I think I've shared this um, in the past, so many of you may know. My little brother Tyler, he passed away. August 31st, two years ago, a little bit more than two years ago, and he, he died of a, a heroin overdose. He had a heroin addiction, and he was the life of our family. I mean, he was amazing. Everyone loved him. He didn't have an enemy in the world, and, and he got caught up in, in some difficult things in his life, and he lost his life to an addiction. And, you know, it seems to come around like the holidays and birthdays and all those things where you begin to realize, like, how much you miss someone when they're gone. You know, and you wish that you would have said that you loved them more, that you would have been, not have been hard on them, and, and those kinds of things. I mean, if you've lost someone, you know how difficult it is. And, and there's times where it's like, I don't even, like, I don't even know if I can go on anymore. Like, sometimes I'll go and I'll sit by his grave and I'll just sit there and I just don't know. But I still have to swim. <laughs> right? Like, I, you think he's just going to kind of sit on this 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 river and just kind of like float and hold on for dear life and keep your head above the water, but I still have to swim. And let me just tell you, every single time that I've tried to do it on my own, I've failed, but every time I've turned to God and said, God, do what you need to do, he's carried me along. He's given me a peace that surpasses human understanding. You know what? My little brother, he gave his, he gave his life to Jesus. 
we, 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 I know that he gave his life to Jesus, and so God reminds me in his peace that surpasses my understanding that my little brother is in heaven right now. And even though I, I grieve his loss, a very bad loss, he's rejoicing in heaven with the Almighty. He's in a place that I can't wait to be. That's the peace and the hope and the courage and the power that comes to be able to press on. Listen, I, I don't know what it is that you're going through in your life. I don't know what it is that, that you're experiencing, what relationship is damaged. I don't, I don't know what loss that you're experiencing. I don't know what it is, but what I do know is that my God and our God is faithful, and he will do whatever he can to get you out of that. Let's end with this, something extremely powerful. You know, I think when we think of our relationship with God, we're, we're, we receive and we take, and it's about us, and we, we trust the Holy Spirit to challenge us, to convict us, all of those things, but there's more to it. Jesus doesn't just give his power to us. Jesus gives us his power to partner with God. You know, one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples before he left, he said, listen, I will, you will receive power I will come on you and you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know what that's saying? That's saying that the power of God when you have an ex- a relationship with him is not just for you. It's for you to give that to other people. What you've experienced in a relationship with Jesus, it's our responsibility as Christ followers to give love and hope and courage and point people to Jesus. And so if we sit and receive in everything that we do, we've missed the point. God wants us to point people to him. And why, why would he do that? Because the Bible says that he, he can do infinitely more through us. Again, humbling. Now all glory to God who is able through this mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. This says that God's mighty work is a power in us. Whatever you're going through today, he wants to, to come upon you and to give you what you need to get through. But for those of you who are, uh, you know, Christ followers, he also wants to use you to point other people to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, everything that you do and give for us, Lord Jesus. There's nothing like you. There's no one like you. And we thank you, God, that you, you, you stepped in, into to earth from heaven and you did what you did for, for me and for us so that we could be in relationship with you, God. Help, us, help that to change our life, to change everything that we do, Father God. In your name we pray. Amen.